Welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast that has the science and the screaming to unequivocally figure out what the best movie is of any given year. Before I introduce this week's panelists, know this, that this show also be a game in which points are rewarded for well-made arguments, cogent thoughts about the film, jokes, and anything else I feel like awarding. The winner will be my best friend for a week and have gloating rights, and the I that is aforementioned is Mike. I am Mike, your host throughout 2002, which we were doing tonight, and we are doing Spider-Man this evening. With me, as always, is the winner because of bitchiness from their opponent, Greg. Yes. The I is you, Mike, and may I say, the eyes have it. I won't take that kind of faux compliment, Greg. <laughs> All right. Very good. Put him in my place. I love it. Greg. Yeah, you do. All right. <laughs> Let's see if he can not fuck himself out of a well-won tie. Is Ryan. Yeah, but you are the eye because you're the eye of the tiger. And here, tiger, you've hit the jackpot <laughs> with the movie Spider-Man. Greg. Yeah, boy. Gee, I wonder how Greg wins. <laughs> Greg. Just being, just being Greg, just being Greg Hundred, as they it's, say. It's weird how just having well manners from the get go will get you ahead in life, and being a little fuck ass <laughs> will get you not. Uh, first of all, I complimented you on calling you Tiger, the greatest nickname that any one fictional character has given another one. That is second true. Second of all, second of all, it's good how Greg has well manners. Okay. Oh, oh, buddy. Oh, Did I turn buddy. the crowd on. <laughs> you went right there. Well, Greg already has six points, and we're 30 seconds Woo. into Spider-Man, now so we're let's cooking see how with Greg. this goes. And I assume, let's start with you, Ryan. Uh, if people haven't listened to the show before, what's your relationship to Spider-Man before this week? The character? Sure. Um, it's it's pretty hot and heavy, Mike. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a uh, deep affinity for Spider-Man, which used to be a weird thing. Or let me say, let me clarify, for Peter Parker. Uh, which used to be a lot stranger, and it used to make me a lot cooler, a lot more of a hipster, because I did have it before literally the entire world did. Um, <laughs> it's still sometimes baffling to see how this is one of nine. This is the first of nine movies that have come out since 2002, if we include Into the Spider-Verse. So we've got wow. uh, three plus two plus and three plus do. one. Uh, yes, and we absolutely do. Um and so now it's I do think that he is at this point, if you interview like all four quadru quadrants, um, more famous than Superman, more famous than Batman, um, which has right. never been the case in my life. It's it, uh, those two or actually three, if you count Wonder Woman, were bigger than any Marvel character. And I don't think that's the case anymore. Um, this movie, while watching it this week, I think that I can say that there is no movie that I've watched more than this. And it's so wow. clear in everything. Like, not only was I a Spider-Man fan, more than a movie fan. And, like, okay, so you're a movie fan, right? So you love Citizen Kane and Godfather or Touch of Evil. How many times are you actually watching those, right? You're a movie fan. You like those movies, but you're watching fucking Spider-Man as often as possible. Throw that on top of the TBS TNT volcano of, <laughs> you know, my teens and early 20s. Then I think that this is it. And... It's it's crazy. I know that X-Men gets a lot of the credit for where we're at, but if this was slightly worse than X-Men, or even on par with X-Men, which is kind of like a low-budget, shitty movie, 
then we wouldn't be where we were today. And that's not to blame Spider-Man. That's to give credit for what an incredible, pitch-perfect movie this is. Man, you love to not give credit to the movies that became before this movie. You're always like, Blade, nobody even knows that. X-Men, no. From hell, get out of here. Spider-Man. While you were studying the Blade, I was reading even more Spider-Man comics (laughs) in preparation. (laughs) And uh, Greg, what is your relationship uh, to this character, even though you do not have a child named after something (laughs) from the comics? Uh, Spider-Man is my, it it was my childhood favorite comic book character. um, And I loved how springy he was. Uh, He like... (laughs) leads i think he leads the league in comics for um like his motion across the page being drawn out in little like wireframe versions of himself and i used to just fucking love i was like way more into him moving across a panel and watching him like jump off the street light and run across like along the side of the building and then like swing and then do a flip i loved those like when they would just draw the outline of him doing all those different poses um, and then for this, just like almost like artists challenging each other, who can draw him in the most uncomfortable position, and that, it right. always working. Yeah, and just the the motion on the page and everything, like, and it just seems um, it's so much more human that he um, like swings and jumps, but doesn't fly. Uh, you know, literally more grounded. Uh, and then with the movie, I think um, when I first watched it, I really, really loved it, despite. Um, how wacky and zany it is and the more I've watched it the more I've realized that like the truth is I always loved it because of how mm. wacky and zany it is and honestly like I, I'm the movie just loves what it is and it does not apologize for itself and that leads directly into two which is like probably the best superhero movie of all time and then three which is obviously a train wreck but just in this it just feels like like at the time 2002 comics were still like dork culture ha- was not ascendant yet and yet this no, you movie could still get your head thrown into a locker for yeah for Spider-Man sure uh, and but this movie doesn't treat the source material and uh, because of that when you would ever get comic book movies so often they treat the source material like sorry we got to do this guys we are gonna have to include some stuff from the comics for 20 with, more years with, there's still star lord what a stupid name that is with this movie though it's just like yeah, dude, the zaniness is what's cool about it, and we're going to celebrate it, and we're going to get into it. And, like, that is what won me over on on this most recent viewing, was just, like, a movie that does not apologize for what it is or try to be anything other than what it is. I haven't watched the Nolan trilogy in, since it came out. It uh, didn't leave a great taste in my mouth, but, like, God damn it, is this, like... You're everyth- classically so serious, so... Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I try to be. Um, and nobody... Ask me about it. <laughs> uh, this is such, even though this came, you know, five years before, such a fre- uh, breath of fresh air of like, this is it. This is the mix. This is the exact mix of how it should feel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, before we get uh, Iron Man creating not just the MCU, but how the MCU feels. Yeah. Like just how it feels on your body and in your ears. Um, this is everything of like, uh, what we're doing is dorky. That's what makes it awesome. It, it's it's really great in the, in modern times to go back and remember that it's not just you be the you're either grim dark Snyder, which is just poor Nolan, or you're the MCU. This is a third option that is closer to the MCU, but it still is a different. There's different DNA here. I mean, how much of the reason I loved 
uh, Multiverse of Madness was because I love Spider-Man 1 and 2. And any, like, glimpse I could get from that, from that Doctor Strange movie, I was like, oh, God, I'll take it. Please put it in my veins. Like a glimpse well, of just a screaming face screaming into the camera for a second out of nowhere. That's all I need, baby. Yeah, dude. <laughs> well, something beautiful about Raimi in general is that he's the king of, I can make fun of something I love. Yes, yes. And you can feel that I love Mark. it, and that's why I get to make fun of it. And it's not that I'm apologizing for it. No, yeah. Which is absolutely Snyder. If he ever deigns to... Uh, we're going to lose all our viewers, but if he ever deigns to do something dorky, he it's tongue-in-cheek. Like He can't handle it because of what a cool well, motorcycle riding What if they don't is. know His that I'm a cool person? His tongue is never in cheek. That's the problem is I think he was like, there's nothing to make fun of because they are gods. Well, Look at them, <laughs> how godlike they are. It's the MCU. His tongue is in his cheek, but he's got that cheek from the that Doctor Strange has at the end of Doctor Strange too, where it's just you can just see it. Yeah, waggling. it's like flapping oh. in the wind. <laughs> All right, I think this is the perfect time to take a break and just pivot right into Spider Man and Sam Raimi. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening so far, and let me just tell you that everything ahead of this commercial is much better than what came before it. That's my guarantee. While I have you here, let me tell you about a website. It's called yourpopfilter.com, and it's everything you need that's related to Pop Filter. Everything Mike, everything Ryan, everything Greg, everything Cassie, everything is there at yourpopfilter.com. While you're there, go to yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon. Make that your new Amazon bookmark and do your shopping from there. That way, we get a little piece of the action, and Amazon doesn't. Make sure you're also listening to everything that Pop Filter has to offer, which includes the Superhero Show Show, a podcast that covers every single TV show that's based on a comic book or comic book property, and Movie of the Year, where we sit down and try and figure out what is the single greatest movie of any given year. That's Superhero Show Show, that's Movie of the Year, and that's yourpopfilter.com. Rate, subscribe, review, bye! Two years after X-Men hit the big screens and six years before the MCU. And nearly 20 years of sitting in development hell, a B-level horror director brought Spider-Man to life based on a script by a guy whose career has covered everything from the highs of Jurassic Park and Mission Impossible to the lows of Mordecai and Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of Skulls. The Kingdom of Crystal Skulls? The shitty Indiana Jones The movie. Crystal Skull? Pulling in weirdo actors like Tobey Maguire and Kristen Dunst and gonzo character actors like Willem Dafoe and Jackie Simmons, Spider-Man became the first film to pass the 100 million mark in a single weekend in a period where most studios still thought superheroes needed to be grounded and clad in black leather. Taste buds ask you this. For 20 years, anytime the name Sam Raimi is mentioned, people scream about Dr. Octopus's surgery from Spider-Man 2 as if it was the fucking Odessa steps from Battleship Potemkin. <laughs> Wouldn't you say there's also some iconic Raimi in Spider-Man 1 as well? Is it too much to say that R Sam Raimi is the best comic book movie director of all time? And what makes him so successful at capturing the feel of comics? Uh, I think okay. it... Ryan. <laughs> I think... <laughs> what are we, dancing? What are we, what are we, Ted Greg, dancing that is messed here? up to say Ryan like it's his turn and start talking. <laughs> well, I did the exact same thing. Uh, I'll say this real quick, Greg. Um, I There are... There are like more successful. There are other good comic book movies where, like, if if you want to include the Russo brothers who had a pretty good run, I don't know who the fucking Russo brothers are. I do know, like, I can't I, I can't feel them in their movies, mm -hmm. and I do know that they've not had a lot of success post MCU. So your crazy ass question, I think it might be yes. Yeah, I watching wow. watching this, um, I realized it like what we were saying in the intro, which is that it. 
he's not like apologizing for comics. He's not wanting to poke fun at comics just to be like, man, spider name. That's a wacky name, huh? Um, he wants to celebrate what is colorful human spider. and weird about comic books. And he wants to say, like, I'm going to turn that feeling from the comic book pages into the actual movie. And I, even mm-hmm. if that's going to at sometimes have the emotional feel of like an opera. And that's what this felt like so much to me was like the high drama and the crazy overacting and the emotions turned up to 11 at all times there upon the first viewing is sometimes there's the tendency to be like, this is ridiculous, but you realize he's using that embracing the ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And that's why you are getting like pulled along and that ri- that ridiculousness, I think, is like a little bit of um, almost like a, a texture that we can hang on to, you know, and that well, situates us in the movie a little bit more. Text but- texture is such a good word because this movie does feel tactile in a way. So many future superhero movies do not. Right? There, oh, yeah. There's no, there's very little noodle sauce here. It is you can throw at everything, and even. A Power Rangers villain like Green Goblin, I yes. think he knows you can be as ridiculous as possible if people care. And they are playing to the cheap seats uh, in the back, but they're playing to little kids in a good way. They're playing like Shakespeare groundlings, and I do not care how highfalutin that sounds because that used to be entertainment for the dumb masses. Yeah, and he's like, jokes. they will they will care about this nerdy-ass kid who is racked with guilt and in love with his neighbor. And so it's okay to ha- hide one of the most iconic faces in Hollywood behind a Power Rangers mask. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, I, I think that the mentioning Power Rangers is super important and gone. We just don't have that anymore. And yeah. Power Rangers is so shit upon by even the people who loved it. You know, Mike, you use it as a uh, pejorative all the time when we're watching our other shows for our other uh-huh. podcast, because Superhero Show Show, because it looks so bad. And that's the thing is that it looks a lot of it looks so bad because it's unrealistic and shot poorly. And it's like Raimi knew it was always going to look unrealistic. What if I shot it well? And so yeah. when Spider-Man and Green Goblin are actually punching each other and bring it back to Black Panther, which is uh, talked about as one of the best MCU movies, that final fight is two noodle boys noodling it up as noodle yeah, as they yeah, can. Dude. The part where they drop down into the cavern and it's just noodle on noodle action. <laughs> I would rather have old slow punches yeah. yes. than noodle I, v noodle. And you know what? I will. I'll elevate it from Power Rangers to Waterworld stunt dude, show. The, the, That's what this gives me vibes of. So the, it's not pejorative. The fight scenes in this are like they live style brutal too. Like rather than being yeah. like artful and people jumping around. like And uh, he picked this up for the most recent Spider-Man movie right. too. When he fights the Green Goblin they just stand there and slug each other and yeah. it all looks really painful the fight that's under the broken warehouse which you need in every right. classic superhero movie um they are just wailing on each other and we just don't get that anymore and i think that he the the hand holding that he did of we were talking last week about uh the the only way to watch an Almodovar movie is to have seen other Almodovar movies, yeah. right? And I think that a lot of people, it was clear, had not seen Raimi movies before going in to see Multiverse of Madness. Because if you were a Raimi fan, you loved it. And if you had never right. seen one before, you thought that was all the parts that were weird were too weird. Yeah. The way that he does this, of bringing you into this 90210 slash Evil Dead 2 slash Power Rangers movie, and just somehow has the faith that those three things are going to combine to make what comic books have always deserved, I think is fascinating that they were like, you know what, Sam Raimi, you fucking 
Jerk, we're going to give you $120 million to tackle what could be our most uh, profitable property we've ever had. Well, it's uh, one, I think it's uh, it's showing where comic book and comic book movies were at this time, right? Everybody's still trying to recover from Batman and Robin and Catwoman. No, no, maybe Catwoman came later. But it's he won them over. One, he he'd made Darkman, if we're talking just comics, but everything else he made, he has that, that flavor and that punch, and he can make silly and human exist in one place. And then he sat down with Stan Lee and just rattled off spider-man facts but and his love of the character came through and stanley went yep and it's, there's I, our guy i think excelsior it's, i think it's more than that even because it's it's not just a spider-man movie this is a comic book movie and he like he makes reference to shazam um mm. and i think part of that tradition is it's kind of a horror comic book movie and that's like as much a, an early important element of comics as any of the superheroes are this idea that horror was there too and he embracing that i feel like in a way this is like him saying to all comics like hey man they i love them all and so i brought them all mm-hmm. into this one movie and yeah they are scary as shit if this shit happened in real life it would be very scary and i think sort of what he does so amazingly is he works with the screen instead of the stage as much with the stage and what i mean by that is i think mike if the other answer to that, your initial question, the best director, because mm-hmm. it's not Snyder and it's not, I don't think it's Nolan, although that might be most people's answer, but it's Tim Burton. And what Tim mm. Burton did was he put it all on the stage, not necessarily the screen. So Gotham City and the characters of Gotham City looked so Burton-esque that you, you right. were taking you to a world that you've never been before. This is straight up, and we'll probably get to this later, this is fucking New York as New York is ever going <laughs> to get. And so he's got to do something else. So instead of playing with the stage, he plays with the screen. And that's when we get the screams, the, the close-ups, the uh, crazy editing, the uh, all of a sudden Peter will think something and will show his DNA becoming blue and red, which oh, yeah. that should not work. Uh, we get we know who that robber is. He has bleached hair. We know what <laughs> yeah. he looks like, but we get a black and white, almost right. like if we're watching a uh, unsolved mystery, unsolved mystery yes. recreation <laughs> of what happened. Well, I, I think Burton v. Russo's is a good talk because, again, having loved the Russo Marvel movies, uh, Burton is niche and specific and unique, and so that feels more real than. The Russo and other people are just lesser Russos trying to appease everybody. But you I, will appease less. So if it, it, it's like poetry, man. You want to write a specific line that only means anything to you, and that'll hit people harder than if you're like, I'm going to just talk about wind through hair, because everybody will understand that. That's fucking meaningless. <laughs> but doesn't... Like, we, we're, we're talking about this in, like, like, opposition to Tim Burton or how it's different than Tim Burton. Doesn't it, like, borrow a lot from Tim oh, Burton, yeah. too, it though? Can, I mean... I think this is as much Batman and Batman Returns as yeah. it is Evil Dead 2 and Dark Man. That's and the thing I don't think I realized as much in 2002. It's like, damn, man, he really kind of like reshot some of the scenes from those movies. I mean, do you know who did the score of this? The fantastic score of this movie? Yeah, it's uh, Danny Elfman. It's right? Danny Elfman, yeah. yeah. Like, I, and the I think, score sounds so similar. But I think that he's swerving to you know the correct lane and saying, it, I, I'm not Tim Burton, but it doesn't have to be, I don't have to be like Brian Singer. And I think anytime anybody can say, I'm not Brian Singer. You yeah. should say it out Brian. loud. Let's all say it right now, gentlemen. I'm, I'm not, not Brian, Brian Singer. Singer. Yeah. Greg, Ryan. <laughs> well, none of us are Brian Singer. Uh, I think what he got is, and Greg, you said this earlier, it is an opera. Batman and Batman Returns were operas. 
but because the characters are so different, he's not trying to shove Batman stuff on top of Spider-Man. He's just saying this is what makes comic book comic books is that operatic nature that everybody's kind of tried to hide from. Yeah. That, yeah, the, that, the melodrama, the big postures, yes. the big faces, the bright colors. I mean, it's it's the the same stuff. I mean, how many he gifts do we have faces. of Sam Raimi's Peter Parker crying or going through emotions? Like that's that's roughly half the gifts on the internet. And it's I think that's why you cast Tobey Maguire. The studio did not want him, and at the time he was an indie, more an indie movie director. Kirsten Dunst or indie movie actor. Kirsten Dunst said she joined because Toby would joined first and she's like oh this will have an indie movie feel these characters will matter right which is why like going back to the whole chris pratt is mario thing like cast who's right for the role instead of cast whoever the biggest name is at the time the other thing i think is going on too is like the pacing that we just don't get anymore and not to keep going back to the greatest tweet of all time uh surfer dracula but (laughs) well you know what we should always right. go back to Surfer Dracula because it encapsulates modern times more than anything else except for Charlie Chaplin. Peter Parker goes through a fucking roller coaster of a life in this movie. And just like he did in Amazing Fantasy number 15, there's so much story jam packed in this. And I think that's Raimi saying, like, this is how it's supposed to work. If this, mm-hmm. if this movie was made by a different director, we would have got two hours of post-Uncle Ben death. Or that's right. that's six episodes if this was a TV show today. But now Sam Raimi isn't saying that I don't care about pathos. I don't care about my characters going through things. But what we have instead is a quick, remarkable scene. Remarkable scene of Peter Parker saying, well, stop trying to act like my dad. And then right. three seconds oh. of Uncle Ben reacting to that. And oh. we're good. We're, we can move on now. Well, it also said get good actors and write well, I think helps. To, to elevate and do that pathos. And he doesn't become Spider-Man for 54 minutes of this movie. That's a crazy long Can time. You guys, would you guys argue that the Spider-Man origin isn't told over and over again? It was just told so perfectly it feels like it has been? I don't remember if it was told in the Garfield movies. The it Mark was. Webb movies. It, no, okay. it was. But I do not remember it because yeah, those movies are because forgettable. This is the only time it's ever felt like the act, like a normal part of the story, and not like the thing that we have to suffer through to get the to yeah. him web swinging. You know, and so it, it's like it it felt more integrated. And honestly, the Uncle Ben's a hard character to capture, and this actor does a really good job oh, with yeah. it because he doesn't come off as perfect, but he comes off as almost perfect. He's a good guy who's trying. Like, yeah. he's still, like, I, I call him Michelangelo. Yes, it sucks that Peter blew off painting together, but also you're making your weird nephew who's already having a hard time at school come home and hang out with you. Like, it does feel like, and we get very few scenes of him, that Uncle Ben is happy Peter doesn't have friends, so they get to keep being friends. And look, dude, and like, you would think that this is all not in Raimi's wheelhouse. Like, the first 54 minutes, or actually until Willem Dafoe, you can you if you like Sam Raimi would be mostly interested in Osborne yes. and Goblin, but he knows and this is cliche to say that like how Marvel is different than other comic books is because you're Peter Parker first and Spider Man second. But he just he just knows that that has to be the case. And all other movies post this one, including Garfield, including Holland, like take advantage of the fact that this origin story was told so well with so yeah. much care and such great pacing that. They don't need to do it again. The only thing that I would change or complain about is the pacing goes a little too fast where it's like uh, the wrestler goes down the elevator or the robber goes down the elevator. Yeah. And, and shoots then Uncle, him right there. <laughs> yeah. And then Uncle Ben is just shot. 
Like if we had one and establishing cops are sh- doing nothing, and I know a cab, a cab includes cops who let Uncle Ben bleed out as they just keep crowds away from him. Crowds who maybe would I don't know put pressure on a fucking gunshot wound. I uh, I mean all superhero movies are a cab essentially. Like that one cop saying uh, I'm gonna fucking arrest you <clears throat> after you save this baby. And oh then, yeah. And then Spider Man's like I'm not coming back, Chief. And the cop has to think for a second. It's like. I want to right. arrest him right now so bad, but I just can't do it. Should but yeah, I shoot anyway, him? If we That's had, how you know it's a fantasy, is that they didn't shoot him right there. If we had one establishing shot of Uncle Ben reminding us that Uncle Ben was out there waiting for him, but mm-hmm. that was probably filmed, and just Raimi yeah. was like, no, man, we got to keep this going. Move it. Move Ryan, it, would you it. say with great pacing comes great rewatchability? I would say that, and right. you know that I say that. Like you're, <laughs> you're asking me that for our listeners. It's a That's- setup, yeah. <laughs> Each one of those phrases is on one of Ryan's butt cheeks. That was rude of you to read that out loud, Greg. Ryan, didn't you have a funny story about yams? <laughs> that is all the time we have to talk about Raimi, which is crazy because we could do the whole show on Raimi. We're going to take the quickest of breaks, and when we come back, travel to what some call Mike's favorite mountain. Mount Rushmore! That sound, of course, means we're at Mount Rushmore. The most famous mountain of four foreheads that have ever headed fours four. Not related to golf at all. One said four score. That's true. One did say four score, Ryan. Which one? Uh, Andrew Lincoln from The Walking Dead. Mm. Andrew Lincoln is known for talking about four score. It's a British thing, I think. Mm. He can't just say 20 (laughs) times four. Fucking Brits. Uh, this is different than if, if you're a longtime listener of Mood of the Year, you're used to our normal Rushmore's. You're like, yeah, give me the babies. Give me the sexy babies. Give me the music. Give me the TV. Give me the hot boys and girls. Uh, as you know, at this point, we are doing way more movies than we normally do. So we're doing way more Rushmore's than we normally do. And so this is a new thing iconic movie superhero performances. There have been many, but only four will end up on this mountain. I want to see a chart of Hollywood history of, like, uh, superhero performances and how it's just zero all of them. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So, Ryan, let's start with you. Who needs to be on this mountain? I this is a performance that we never talk about, but I think that this does it all. I think this is the closest that DC has ever done to, like, uh, balancing the, the alias with the superhero, um, and I think it's all in the performance. I think Christopher Reeve from ooh, Superman ooh, has to be on ooh. here. Oh, yeah. So, First of all, oh, the original person to play yeah. uh, Superman on TV was George Reeves. This yeah, is Christopher Reeve. Up. What is going on here? Messed up. That's the Superman curse right there. They're all going to be Reavers. Now, is this so long ago, like, no. iconography? Do kids know? Do kids care? Does this do it? Well, I, to me, I think that it's part of our job to do that thing where if you don't know like it's now not you know. if you don't know now you know it's yeah. not it's not just that it's it's so influential in everything that you're watching today that that's also what makes it important yeah i mean this is like i had him in a tier above all my other answers i feel like this is like the go-to a number one answer because yeah i think it just it sets everything up this is the perfect casting and the it's nobody has ever quite found the gentle humanity of Superman and the way that Christopher Reeve is able to communicate by just like appearing in a shot, you know. And right. like his, I was ready to put him on the maybe pile, but uh, nah. Greg really yeah. helps talk Ryan's point. 
<laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I think it's crazy not to have him be the first slam dunk. Like his physical performance, the difference between Clark and Soups, just in physicality, is mm-hmm. crazy to watch. And it's not like Christian Bale losing, you know, 130 pounds for a machinist. <laughs> it's actually acting, right? Um, and it's yeah, also I, cool that he could just be kind of. Uh, big and beefy without having to be completely chiseled. They were just like, well, you know, yeah. he looks like a dude. Like me. Yeah. It's got a standard torso. I also think that like there's this something that I think has become very hack in not liking Superman because he has all the powers. Like I just I don't think that's a great argument and it's been debunked a million times. But if you want to debunk it, you show them Christopher Reeve as Clark Kent. And you're like, no, I get it. I understand all of his why? issues. I understand all of his problems and you know why it's awesome and difficult to be Superman. Yeah, the, the people who say that are people who haven't read or watched things. They just have heard of Superman and have heard all the powers and go, I'd prefer the guy with billions of dollars who the real world has taught us he's the good guy. Or they've they've gone to uh, our website, opinion.com. Every morning we give you a new opinion, or an old opinion, actually. And this morning's was, yeah. Superman sucks because he has all the powers. Opinion.com is hacky. It's still saying, bacon is the best. Everything should be bacon. But it really, really low subscription rate, so you should subscribe right now. Yeah, subscribe right now. But we'll keep telling you that Hawaiian pizza is awful, even though it's fucking solid. Okay, no. That's, that's oh, like oh, look at Ryan. He's a hack. <laughs> Greg, how do you feel about Hawaiian pizza? I'm, I'm not against it. It's like pizza. You know, I like pineapple. I, I, I like ham. I think I would probably like, I, I think I would tend to take the pineapple off and eat it first, Ooh. leaving just the impression of pineapple on the pizza. And I think I would like just that a, rather a than having it. Actually, I'm, fine. I'm not going to be like hipster Mike and change my opinion now that everyone else has it. And if you want to give se- Greg 17 points for that, then that's totally no. Fine. It's fine. You all decided this is my personality. I don't like a thing. Oh my that's God. cool. <laughs> Get Greg, another tattoo, Mike. Your turn. All right. There's a, a lot of a lot of great characters, a lot of great performances, Mike. But what a when, build I, up. when I look at um, why we have these performances at all, that's Christopher Reeve. But when I look at the number we have and the fact that we're lucky to have so many, I have to put it down to Robert Downey Jr.'s portrayal of Iron Man. Uh, from the moment he breathed life into the MCU until the moment he snapped to end his life and restore it forever. Um, Robert Downey Jr., who I assume actually did that uh, in the movie, uh, just brought Tony Stark to life. Nobody gave a shit about Tony Stark before this. Nobody gave a shit about Iron Man, except for comic book like uh, nerds. And, and still barely them. them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and Robert Downey Jr. also, Gosh. at this point, was like struggling himself a little bit as an actor. And the two of them, the character and the man, much like the man in the suit, uh, just became something bigger than the entire MCU, and he really right. is like the patron sa- patron saint of right. the MCU. When he says that's how Dad did it, he's talking about Christopher Reeve. <laughs> and yeah. like, I would say that he is, and we didn't know this at the time because first is first. Uh, he's responsible for the fucking snarky, shoddy MCU humor. The entire that we get. tone, yeah. <laughs> it it is which is nothing to take I, away from him. No, no. He that's you're so powerful there's going to be cheap imitators. Right. Look at Blink-182 and everybody who came after them. And like it's, he just he made it seem so fun, you know? Uh Superman doesn't make Clark Kent seem that fun. Batman mm-hmm. doesn't really enjoy being Bruce Wayne and that's kind of like the biggest shame in the world. He doesn't enjoy being Batman. Shit. God doesn't enjoy anything. He doesn't enjoy anything. Yeah, yeah he but needs Iron medication. Man enjoys being Tony Stark. He enjoys being Iron Man. Then it it, well, it breaks bad a little fun, bit. It's fun and it also Iron Man saved Tony from being an arrogant piece of Elon Musk shit. Yeah. 
and he knows that somewhere deep down. I also think the MCU became that way because if you look at the MCU, it was Iron Man did super well. People loved it. Hulk came out, was not super quippy or fun. Thor came out, was not super quippy, was tried to be funny in a different way uh, and did not do well. And Captain America First Avenger, now people are like, hey, look back. It is awesome, but also did not do that great. I think out of the first four movies, the only one that people are like, holy shit, was Iron Man. Yeah. And so that set the tone and course correct. And that was the only one that had to. Otherwise, the whole company was going to go right yeah, down the right. toilet. I mean, if Robert Downey Jr. isn't super likable as Iron Man, the entire world of cinema is different today. And comics, maybe. Whoa. Like, like it might have dragged Marvel all the oh, way yeah. under. And then it would have been like stripped for parts or something, bought by Com- some weird investment bank. A couple of things. One, Captain America the First Avenger is not a good movie. Second of all. You're wrong. Uh, yeah. Ditto. Would you guys have preferred that Robert Downey Jr. Moving two points from each of you. (laughs) Some sort of, like, uh, I don't know, experimental stage thing played every member of the MCU? Yes. And I wish he spent a lot of time going, I am Eve. (laughs) All your women are whores. (laughs) That's from the Patreon show. Well, Tony Stark has probably said that part, at least, uh, before he got clean. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. is on that mound. I already gave that point away. Ryan, you're up next. I I think that the next one has to be um, the one that's been with us in this modern world the longest. And we thought we were done, and he's back for more. He's back, baby. If we had to pick an iconic movie, uh, I would have to go with Logan, just because it's his Unforgiven. But... uh, out of no plucked from out of nowhere it was supposed to be uh i want to say rufus sewell or like who's the guy who plays batwoman's dad on batwoman degree uh, scott degree scott one of those two could have been one of our all-time actors but uh hugh jackman's portrayal of logan um right. is not just uh sort of it didn't just like set the tone for whatever his universe was it took a pretty boring two-dimensional I'm so tough because of violence character and gave him the heart and spirit that it needed. Otherwise, we would not have been able to tolerate it for we got three side movies. Plus, he was in six X-Men movies. Like we're talking and cameoed in some. I I think the the genius thing is putting a flamboyant theater kid in the role of gruff, angry Wolverine. And then you're going to have heart even if you didn't write the heart in there. Yeah. And like kind of tall, lanky guy playing comics shortest short guy <laughs> five foot one guy <laughs> oh, so also, and he overcomes Gibson, all of that <laughs> i know that we've said this many times but we have to bring it up now uh it's a huge jacked man playing mm. played by hugh jackman so very true so true i'm gonna not give points that is on the mount we have one more spot we're gonna do a speed round sorry greg that you're kind of hosed here but it's also because <laughs> you agreed with christopher reeve so speed round me up uh chadwick boseman as black panther i think um the you know such a great performance so important the best of the mcu movies and now kind of it has this different feeling to it because we've lost him and so it just seems it seems bigger than that the whole universe that's a really good argument ryan (laughs) okay uh there's i don't know if this person would have been so high on my list uh without this week but toby mcguire like really redefined and then defined peter parker and his spider-man i have some qualms with but it's that's not him you know like his peter parker is does all of the like really brings the character that i think everybody had in their minds off and i think that Mm. uh 
one of the things that I was looking for when thinking about this mountain is, uh, are you in uh, conversation with this performance? If you play Peter Parker now, you're in conversation with this performance, and that I think that will be the case forever and ever. Forever, ever, Greg. I'm going to go with uh, Chris Hemsworth as Thor, and the reason behind that is um, no one... Thor fucking sucks so much, and Chris Hemsworth brought something interesting to the character and made it relevant and made us care about him. Ryan. Uh, instead of going uh, multiple versions of all these characters we mentioned, I want to go uh, with Ron Perlman, who that seemed... like Hellboy seemed like Hell such yeah. an impossible movie to do, um, and such an impossible character to play, especially when, you know... Half the movie has Peter Parker or Tony Stark or whoever out of the costume. And we get to know them. Mm -hmm. Hellboy was fucking born like that shit. He has to wear all <laughs> of that makeup and all of that gear uh, for the entire movie. And still, uh, I, it brings a ton of character to this performance. Greg, you each get one more. Uh, Chris Evans as Captain America. That's, a, that's America's ass. I do love Cap is my boy. Ryan, your last one. Uh, looking at the rest of my list, I will go with Tom Holland, who really did make me... I mean, that's the Spider-Man. Reconsider my love for Tobey Maguire. Um, yeah. I think that his... How much younger he looks than Tobey Maguire? Like, yep. Tobey Maguire is a 42-year-old playing Everyone a in high school in this movie is very old. <laughs> who should we get for the bullied Joe Mangiella? Like, yeah. <laughs> his first role. <laughs> what are we and he's already 80. <laughs> uh, but Tom Holland has, like... Again, I think always hearkening back to Tobey Maguire in so many ways, but to to have an actor be able to be in that same conversation for me and like make me rethink who's my number one PDs, uh, Tom Holland, that's very impressive. Your Mount Rushmore of iconic movie superhero performances is Christopher Reeve as Superman, RDJ as Iron Man, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, and Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther. That is is your mountain it shall be built and you will visit it on future <laughs> family vacations we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back more spider-man <laughs> well that is very very funny or very sad and perhaps now you have something to think about or very problematic and perhaps we have something to think about but in any event i'm sure you have some reaction to what you're listening to so why not check us out on the social media? You can go to Instagram or Twitter and find us at Your Pop Filter. Email contacts at Your Pop Filter. Hey, everybody. Keep watching them movies. Now, we're not going to go as far as to say that New York is a character because we're not hacks, but it definitely has characters. How big is 9-11's presence in this movie from what's in it to what's not in it? What I'm saying, Taste Buds, is all these years later... How awkward is the, you mess with New York, you mess with all of us scene? You know what? I found, watching it this time, I found that less awkward than I thought it would be. It happens quickly. The movie doesn't lean on it that much, right? The thing that was really weird, though, and would only happen in a movie from 2002, is it ends with him landing on a flagpole. The biggest flag of all time. there's this huge American flag right. behind him. Honestly, I was way more weirded out by that than the Those just are, like, yeah, hey, we're New Yorkers. We take care of each other because that's what New York is known for. I remember Those are two separate parts in the movie, and also, like they feel different. And the one feels like other Spider-Man movies have tried. When all the Crane guys, this might be in Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man, all the Cranes line up so he has a clear path to chase yeah. him. Yeah. quicker uh or the he's just a kid from spider-man 2 uh -huh. i feel like is the most natural of all of them but the 
what jingoistic, stupid rah-rah, we just got attacked bullshit of Spider-Man to land in front of that flag. I remember being in a theater at that time, and that for if you weren't around at that time, it was crazy. It was... We're all unified against one enemy, and you would think... And we all love New York, and we always have. You would think that sounds better than today, because we're so against each other now, but it was weird and awkward, especially if you had never given a shit about America in your life, Uh, and that flag coming up, and you could hear, like, that... Or that... Like, across the theater that I saw it in. Well, that, that was the problem. It's not that we all did feel that way, but if you joked how you used to, or had, I don't know... Accurate criticisms about the fake war we were all suddenly going to be in. You were shit on in a weird way. Country music was suddenly the biggest thing in the world. Come on. I guess my biggest issue with all of it is that, you know, it's uh, it's important to use movies and art in general to, like, reflect on the times of when they were made. And usually that's, like, a year or two before they were made. Uh, I'm not sure that we'll ever get more 9-11 than this movie uh, throughout the course of this season. Um, but it's not it at no point feels like to me a response to 9-11 or the issues with the country or other issues with other countries. It feels like they went fuck and ran to the typewriters, the old fashioned ding typewriters and filmed that shit as soon as possible. Um, it, it's and it, cut the dopest looking stuff. It's like Jar Jar Binks in the South Park movie where they just somebody in the movie talked like Jar Jar Binks. And that's because they were just filming it. Every day they would like film more stuff and they could yeah. just change it like that. Like the way that the TV show is shot. Uh, this was like, um, uh, well, let's, let's have a person who's, who looks so New York. His name is probably New York. And we'll have him throw rocks. I and mean, his name was Joe Pasta Sauce. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll just have him like uh, have this dialogue in this movie. We're going to have to pay him a lot more than the day player wage he was about to get. But yeah. I guess but that's But his worth brother's it. cousin did die in the tower so that's okay he's a hero too i think that the the changes like steve ranazazi the changes that were made are so much more fascinating like i remember watching the trailer that yeah. took place or like the final shot of the trailer was a helicopter webbed up between the twin towers yes i still think about that and was like yeah if spider-man was real osama would not have won <laughs> Well, the what was he going to do against a 747, man? You, you webbed that up. Web, he webbed that. shots. The planes <laughs> <went>. <laughs> Take that, terrorists. And still but the cops you know, are like, I'm going to fucking arrest you. We'll get you if you come down here, Spider-Man. I mean, we don't know that he's not black. <laughs> <laughs> but I some I of them s- might be. Mike, as you pointed out, though, like there is a, every Spider-Man story has the, like, the New Yorkers got your back, Spider-Man. And so I do feel like... It felt that part felt slightly less 9/11y than I remembered it being mm-hmm. because there are those parts in all the other ones like you said like the, oh he's just a kid yeah. and so it's there's always some part where the of the Spider-Man story where New York has to reckon with the fact that they ask a lot out of out of this little dude and, and I mean they like, treat him like dog shit and then they say hey please save that baby Spider-Man <laughs> famously you know in the comic books is hated by almost everybody and you could blame yeah. this on Fox News it's because he's from Queens. Yeah. yeah, Queens is the worst borough. <laughs> you think it's Staten Island? It's fucking Queens. But like we have, uh, what's his name? Taylor Clarkson, Tyler Huxton. T- I who, who do we think he's talking about, Greg? The Fox News guy who wor- used to wear a bow tie. Tucker Carlson. We have Tucker Carlson out there yeah. all day, every day, spreading bullshit about him, and it works. Mm-hmm. We see it work. Yeah, uh, Aunt totally May, unlike- the sweetest lady in the world, hates to- Spider Man. 
totally unlike our real life where that would never work in a million years and so he is like a he's you know new york's most hated figure and when we see stuff like that it's in at the end of spider-man 2 it sort of fills me with like hope like maybe the human race isn't fucking doomed or at least americans aren't fucking doomed whereas this is like specifically like hey here's my flag because i'm from new york the the other very new york part of this movie is the time is passing and Spider-Man is a growing entity. And every, I feel like we've lost that. And it's one of my most fun of older superhero movie origin stories. They would do this thing. where like, you're going to quickly watch him catch muggers. And part of his, I'm learning to be Spider-Man uh, montage is New Yorkers are all responding in different ways to his adventures. Uh-huh. And that feels like me that New York is dealing with it more than the bridge. Bridge feels post 9-11. We, hit, we, we filmed this after this. This feels like we're going to do it anyway. And you get weird cameos like Jim Norton. Uh, yes, dude, one of the that best was weird. Ever, he stinks and I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't know if you ever uh, heard Jim Norton's comedy, but that was it. Mike just summed it up. That's his punchline yeah, to everything. That's, that's how he feels. <laughs> uh, yeah, you the, want a less memorable Dennis Leary? Those, <laughs> those uh, montages like bring you fucking back to 2002 and maybe this was the end of it where Raimi is not hanging a lantern on these things he's not like trying to make fun of it and say like oh look how dumb comic book movies are yet it would feel out of place it would feel dated now you know I don't know if it's Raimi's doing or the fact that it takes place in 2002 but there's something that makes me feel warm when I see those well it's he's using the tools of the time but he uses it better than other people it is a funnier more memorable montage than most of the attempts at that I'm sure I'm not the first guy that's ever said this, but this is how all superheroes start. Like they're they start with like the petty theft. It's mm-hmm. so weird that the first thing you do when you get superheroes, you st- superpowers, is you start like policing property crime. Yeah. Who gives a fuck, dude? Like I mean, honestly, like you are endangering your life. Later, you're gonna save the world, and you're endangering your life right now. What to stop these guys from like stealing from an ATM? Who cares, man? I I love. There's insurance. Oh wait, that's the whole okay. point of the movie, though. That's the whole point of the movie, right? That you're supposed to care about that stuff because property crime leads inevitably to old men well, being shot on the sidewalk. A, a property crime is different than stealing from one direct person, even if that person is an asshole. Or I from one if, direction. Yeah, do, do not, not steal, steal from do, one direction. Do not, you do not steal from one direction. They are all Spider-Men. That's what they've been hiding <laughs> the whole time. Uh, do I, you, does well, it bother you guys my, when you hear the guy in the subway singing the Spider-Man song from the TV show? No, I think it's cute. Yeah, it's very cute. Oh. It reminds me of the lady singing it in Spider-Man 2. I will give the movie props for this. The trailer was cut in such a way where Aunt May was like, hey, you better slow down. You're not Superman. And Tobey Maguire looks at her like, what? Did yeah. you just, did you just <laughs> say that? A scratch tire squeal. But I love how that's not the actual movie. He just smiles. He says Shazam and up, up, and away. And as if... And he does this Superman shirt open. Right. As Fun. if he, the movie's... This movie takes place in a world where there are comic books and heroes, just not Marvel comic books and heroes. Right. You know, like there is established things to do, like fight crime when you have powers, but right. not the fucking winking at the camera that we can't stand anymore. Uh, fun fact: all the the when he's trying to figure out how to do his web when it's not premature ejaculation, uh, that was all Toby. The reason there's Shazam and up up and a web is him. And I love that. So he, he helped inject that. He does Which the hang, way do I do the hands? He does the hang yeah. loose or whatever yeah. it is, like upside down. He's like, well, that didn't work. Let me flip it around. Oh, Hook my God, horns. there's webs. I'm going to take my most prized photo and use that as target practice. I can also sort of remember 
maybe I was young, guys, being incensed that he did not build his uh, web shooters. And now I want to let everyone know that I'm perfectly fine with it. And it actually makes more sense that he got bit by a spider and got all of the powers instead of some powers, but had to build I, machines for the other powers. I feel like there is a version of the script where he also doesn't have to make a costume. Because early in the movie, she goes, the the like science lady that's showing all these kids this like nuclear reactor mm-hmm. uh, that they just keep spiders next to just in case. And she's <laughs> like... She's going over what all their powers are, and one of them is that you is that you could they could change their like their skin. Yeah, and then right. later when the DNA joins with him, it looks like that. And the spider that bites him actually has the colors of Spider Man. Mm-hmm. So I kind of felt like there was a version of this where it was going to be like he he changes his skin to look like Spider Man instead of putting on a costume, which Miles can I, sort of do. Yeah, right. Because that's yeah. the thing. Like they talk about being able to go invisible, and it's like, okay, every other power comes up again, but not the becoming invisible power. And so I just yeah. wondered if there's a version where he like his skin is the costume, so that there they could say like there is no difference between him and Spider Man. Did you guys I, think it weird? It was weird that we were at a museum trying to learn about DNA, and the characters and the audience, and at no point did they put him on a tram ride where like a little Southern DNA with a cowboy hat came out <laughs> and explained everything to us. Especially when you think it's the same writer. <laughs> Yeah, dude. Who taught us dino DNA? Hey, Kep, where's your where, fucking? He's obsessed with DNA. He is. Uh, I don't know for a fact there is a version where Toby's skin changes chameleon esque like, but there is. Uh, they had to edit out web shooters in a couple of the early scenes because for a while they're like, well, we'll make them until Sam Raimi was like, look, yes, there can be goblins. Yes, there can be Spider Men. Yeah. But a poor ass kid inventing an adhesive that nobody else can? No. But I like. Uh, there is like a kind of remarkable attention to this that you would think that somebody like Raimi wouldn't care about, but he makes sure to put Chekhov's uh, glider into the beginning of the movie. And usually we're like, just move on, man. Tell your fucking story. Like, let's get the bad guys fighting the good guys. But I think that it does make sense to him. And if it doesn't make sense to him, then he cuts it. And it's never, um, I don't know, it's never like distracting. He puts the glider in early and then later, Green Goblin jumps out like a window, and he lands on the sill, and he lands in Goblin Glider pose. He's not on the glider yet, but he's in the pose. So, like, he tips both of those things ahead of right. time. Right. And I you love get that. Get used to this. It's coming. <laughs> Here comes the, everyone. The original glider in the beginning has, like, a long purple bandana thing she's wearing to, like, it could, you guys, the Green Goblin might look like this. Oh, no. It's just a giant <laughs> yeah. face mask. We're going to hide an amazing face actor. All right, we are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, it's Mike's favorite segment. Trivia. That's right. It is time for trivia, which is truly my favorite thing in the world. Taste buds, and more importantly, listeners, the rules are simple, but the game is hard. I will ask a question when I am done, and only when I am done, the question... Our panelists will ring in with their name. Whoever rings in first, I will call on them, and they will answer. And if they answer correctly, they get a point. And if not, their opponent gets a chance to steal the point. (gasps) I know. We're throwing it into high gear this season. (laughs) All right. You guys ready? Ryan. Greg, are you ready? Greg. Oh, no. I don't like that delay. It feels like Ryan might be a little (laughs) more ready than Greg is. Greg. Oh, 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 no. That's too early or too late? It might be too early. (laughs) Question the first. Who played 
the first live-action Spider-Man. Ryan. Ryan. Do you want his name? Yes. Jim Hammond. Oh, it's so close. Greg. Greg. John Hammond. Oh, that's somehow less close. <laughs> give I went the wrong hand. way. Daryl Hammond. <laughs> I'll give you each half a point. It is Nicholas Hammond in a TV movie that Michael used to own on VHS. Nice. <clears throat> Question the second. What other comic book actor was supposed to cameo in this movie? Ryan. Ryan? That huge jacked man himself? Ryan. Yep. Do you know why he couldn't make it? I uh, don't. He couldn't make it? <laughs> Greg, do you know why Wolverine couldn't show up in this movie? Because of licensing? No. Oh, uh, wait, hold on, Mike. I'm going to say uh, he had signed the contract, but unfortunately in the contract there was a uh, clause. Some sort of clause. Ah. If you had said a cl- any sort of clause, even if it was Santa, I would have liked that, but you just said a clause. Uh, no, they could not find, they could not get Wolverine's costume out of storage in time, so they just went, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, put a white beater on him then. Yeah, man, that's I always, most of his costume. I like grew up thinking of movies as like they'd only, they like they were perfect, they would yeah. like, take all day to get what they needed to, you know, like they would never settle. And this true story of movies is like, what, we can't get the costume? Forget it, move on, who cares? These people well, are idiots. We can't get the costume. Sorry, Harry. It's, it's, it's Hugh. Well, we're moving on. Goodbye. <laughs> Question the third. Who invented the organic web shooters concept? Ryan. Greg. Ryan. Uh, Sam Raimi? No. Greg. Greg. Toby Maguire. No. It was Jimmy Cameron in the mid-90s when he was going to make a Spider-Man movie. The water lover himself. Man, trivia is kicking your guys' ass. Oh, nice. Well, it's, about, right it's about Spider-Man. What do we know? What it, it, maligned comic series did Little Mike find at a convenience store, changing his world forever, even though he understood nothing at all? Greg. Greg. Heavy metal. No, I, I'm sorry. I should say a spi- Spider-Man. Uh, a Spider-Man run. Oh. This is, a spi- this is Spider-Man. Ma- maximum clonage. Well, Ryan. Say, Greg, that's a Ryan. <laughs> the clone saga? It's the Clone Saga, yes. Uh, also, I don't think Maximum Clonage is right. of anything. Maximum Carnage. Yes. No, there's another one called Maximum Clonage, of but I is. think it's part of the Clone Saga or uh, like an addendum to it. What retelling of the Clone Saga does Mike think did a pretty good job? Greg. Greg. Maximum Clonage. No, it, again, it's not <laughs> Maximum. But you know what? You keep saying it. It'll be right eventually, buddy. Uh, Ryan. Ryan. Maximum Carnage for Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis, where you could play yes. as Spider-Man or Venom. Or Venom, yes. <laughs> it was the ultimate. The Ultimate Universe Clone Saga is like five issues and was pretty sweet. Five issues. Name another director offered this iteration of the movie before Raimi. You cannot Correct. see James Cameron. That was years before. Oh. <clears throat> Ryan. Ryan. I, I'm going to say Dick Donner. Who that? Richard Donner himself? Yeah. No. Greg. Greg. Timothy Burton. One Tim no. Burton. No. Ryan. Ryan. <laughs> uh, Steven Spielberg. No, now I just want to give hints. He directed a Harry Potter movie. Ryan. Ryan. Christopher Columbus. It's Christopher Columbus. Ryan. And now one for Greg. He directed 
a seven movie. Greg. Greg. David Fincher. Yeah. Yeah. You guys get those points. Nice. Trivia is easy when you're smart. What other actors were looked at to play Peter? Ryan. Ryan? Uh, Leonardo name DiCaprio. Name one. Yeah, you don't have to name them all. Okay, good. Ryan. I was worried you were you thought you'd have to rattle off. Including uh, Freddie Prince Jr., Scott Speedman, James Franco, Heath Ledger, Jake Gyllenhaal, Frankie Munez. Yes. And Jude Law. Oh, they blew it on not doing Frankie Munez. <laughs> I, I mean, that's the energy, dude. That's the energy that he needs. Do you know what you I would have done? Frankie what? Munez first 10 minutes after the spider bite, he wakes up to be Toby Mag- like ripped Toby Maguire. <laughs> you're the you're not the boss of me oh. yeah, cuz I got so big. <laughs> it fixed my face too. <laughs> Damn. Take that Frankie Other than Munez. Danny Elfman, what are the connections to Batman? Greg. Greg. Production design. The production designer is the same from the series. I don't know if that's. Did you want to, do you want to look that up before you R- just say no? I should look that up. <laughs> do you want to just look that up real quick, big guy? Is it true? Maximum clonage. Ryan. <laughs> Ryan? Uh, they're both based on a comic book superhero. Or comic oh. book property, Ryan. <laughs> no, we don't say that anymore, Greg. <laughs> oh, is that true? I can tell you you're not a listener. <laughs> uh, it is uh, Norman's apartment is Michael Keaton's apartment. And oh, Sam Raimi went out of his way to film in a different way. He's like, everybody's going to know. I got to hide this. Everybody's going to know. <laughs> what movie does the phrase Norman's apartment remind me of? Greg. Greg. Psycho. Oh. No. <laughs> Ryan. Ryan. An equally good film, Joe's Apartment. Ryan. It is Joe's <laughs> Apartment. Oh, my gosh. The one where has, like, the bugs are his friends? Has oh. anyone ever seen Joe's Apartment? Greg. No. Greg, my friend, our friend from back in the day that we have not talked to for a long time, Brett, uh, saw Joe's apartment. Okay, I was, I, the answer he had I the was post, looking for. He had the poster in his room, Mike. He had the poster in his room. The answer I was looking for is no. Nobody's oh, ever okay. seen Joe's apartment. <laughs> what is another movie from the '90s everyone remembers the trailer of, but nobody's actually seen? Oh, uh, Greg, Greg, Joe Dirt. Greg. I'll take it. I'll take <laughs> Joe Dirt. <laughs> Who's the best? This is trivia. Who's the best cinematic Spider-Man? Ryan. Greg. Greg? Tom Holland. It's his opus. <laughs> Greg. <laughs> almost lost you it, but you know what? Goddamn, I like it. <laughs> but you answered the right answer. Who is the jackal? Ryan. Greg. Ryan. The guy who started the Clone Saga. Oh, and also Ryan. Bruce Willis in that movie, The Jackal. Uh, the Jackal is the first Spider-Man villain I ever saw. I thought yeah. it would be a much bigger deal through the rest of my mm-hmm. comic reading, and he just and, went away forever. And it's so weird because he has such Green Goblin's vibes, Green oh, yeah. Goblin vibes, but that's like, a different guy. The first team I ever read, Nova, Namorita, Speedball, <laughs> The New Warriors. Where are they, guys? <laughs> Night Thrasher? Night are we Thrasher. Are about Night Thrasher? Uh, what villain do we obviously need to see in a live-action Spider-Man movie? Ryan. Greg. Ryan. Uh, Swarm. He's a bunch of bugs. Yeah, the guy who's bees? Yeah, he's just bees. Okay. And when yeah, he barks at you, bees. the bees fly out of his mouth. That's not the answer I'm looking for, but I'll give that a point. Ryan. So the answer I'm looking for will get two points. Greg? Uh, Craven, the hunter. No, because that's coming. Oh, is it? Ryan. Ryan? Spot. Spot is dope. Good, just no. a dorky, nerdy villain, but uh, terrifying 
cartoon power. Greg. Greg. The lizard. Have they done a lizard yet? Yeah. yeah. Oh, they did do the Amazing lizard. He's been in two movies. Uh, it is clearly, it's big wheel. His power is he drives around in one big wheel. Yeah, how are you going to mess with that? I mean, is it true that big wheel keeps on turning? Ryan. Greg. Ryan? Yes. Greg. And Proud Mary keeps on burning as well. That's the only instance in which it does. <laughs> Golly. <laughs> Who originally sang Proud Mary? Ryan. Ryan? Credence Clearwater Revival. Ryan. What version of Proud Mary is best? Ryan. Greg. Ryan. Uh, I can Tina Turner's. Ryan. What would Peter Parker's go-to karaoke song be? Ryan. Ryan. Uh, she's only 17. Oh. Greg. <laughs> I did not think it would be. I got, uh, Greg. Greg. Web me up before you go go. Ryan. That's not Shit. a real song, Greg. That was a, that was a risk, but I took it. <laughs> it is hurt by Johnny Cash. He's a sad guy. He's really sad about everything he has to go through. <laughs> that is all the time we have for trivia, everybody's favorite segment. I've been your host, Mike, and I will continue to be your host after this. Hola, Felterinos. I just wanted to interrupt real briefly and say thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. If you want to support us a little more directly, you can go to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. There, depending on what tier you pick, $1 a month, $5 a month. If you're crazy, anything more than $5 a month, don't do that. You can get extra content. There's extra shows, extra series, uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, you could pay for ryan to draw you a picture Uh, i can write you a poem you can get the shirts off our very own backs all of that and so much more over at patreon.com slash your pop filter while you're on the internet you should check out shady monk he does all the tunes you've been listening to he's on bandcamp he's on spotify uh soundcloud wherever kids get their music these days that i'm too old to know shady monk lives there uh you can probably follow him on twitter and instagram as well that's shady monk wherever you get music Check him out. This is our final conversational piece. Can you believe it? I can, Mike. I mean, Greg, I can. Mike. <laughs> this is, we're no longer trivia. Uh, but that I does sh- sound like a classic Mike trivia question. If you don't get like any of the answers right in trivia, you kind of just want to keep it going to see if you yeah. can. <laughs> it hurts. It hurts you. <laughs> All right, taste buds. Powers are puberty. Webs are jizz. Is there anything else this movie is commenting on universally or about 2002? Or is this whole movie about fucking? Okay, we. Th- I always thought that uh, Marissa Tomei was like our first sexy Aunt May. I no. want to hear where this is going, dude. <laughs> forget about it. This movie has one of our most sultry Aunt Mays ever. Completely vibing with Harry Osborn, putting him in his place, and he loves it. You mean uh, Norman Osborn, Norman. but I'm still giving you the point. You know what? Both of them probably. She's cross with both of them. Yeah. You know? uh, Slapping Norman's hand away from that fucking absolutely truly real turkey. One of the realest turkeys I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, dude. The the color on that thing, the shine. (laughs) And then he licks uh, his finger in a way to Mm. suggest Mm. that, yes, gravy Mm. is the sexiest of all foods. But yet, the the palpable energy hanging over this movie, I'm sure I recognized it the first time I watched it, but it's not something I think about that much. The scene where, like, the the whole, like, we're, we're losing you. Peter because you're spending so much time alone up in your room and we feel like we don't know you anymore and then we were texting about this Ryan the ultimate is the iconic shot which oh uh, he opens the door a little bit 
because he knows, and I don't know if you guys have ever been through this, he knows that his room is covered with white goo. And There's he just not ropes. Let his, <laughs> he's just shooting Literally, ropes he's for throwing days. ropes. Yeah, dude, he's been throwing ropes. It's hanging he's, off the ceiling. It's like on his... There's a part where he's running out of the cafeteria, and it's like he has accidentally tra- stuck <laughs> it to a tray, and then he can't get it unstuck. It's like when I used to uh, fall asleep in the cafe- the lunch cafeteria I ate in, because that's a real thing that happens in real life and not just in movies. After I would go through the all of the uh, cafeteria workers putting ladles of slop on my tray, something that yep. definitely happens in real life. Every <laughs> single day, yeah. I would take it back to my table, and I would fall asleep, and I, I would have a wet dream, and I'd have to get out of the cafeteria with goo all over me and that's what this scene hit ryan is your was your ryan. least favorite part of eating food in the very real cafeteria and getting the, the slop slopped on your plate was your worst was the worst part for you when uh the lady would say i made your favorite sloppy joes i made them extra sloppy for you and i'd be like no thank you i'm yeah. good <laughs> it's okay lady you started to scare me <laughs> have some more sloppy <laughs> joes <laughs> when are we gonna do that movie uh, we got to do 95, um, which I am down to do right now. Fuck this 16th right, episode. Two, it feels man. like what the movie is saying, though, is that you once you come into your sexual powers, you have to find a way to channel them productively. You can't, we can't let, like, you can't as a growing person let sexuality push you into, a, a, like, a world of just you and of just your interests. You have to figure out a way to like extend that to somebody else. You don't want to be like a little jerking off troll. You don't want to become hairy. You don't want to become flash. Is that what it's saying? Like no matter what puberty is going to break you for a while. I think it's really interesting. And this is an O2 thing. How this movie bounces back and forth with our version of what an incel is and how Peter is up in his room. Just, absolutely going to going to town on his yeah women. just all learning day, about day. his changing body right ryan i uh, what is that a dr pepper can i'll fucking hit it with my shit I'll fucking <laughs> <laughs> what is that picture of my aunt and uncle who raised me instead of my parents i'll hit that with my shit what is that a lamp i'll get it pregnant uh and then also dealing with his not super smooth and in today's day kind of gross way of dealing with mary jane which is i'm so nervous to talk to her um she's not having sex with me i'm involuntarily celibate I'm just gonna watch her from afar, you know, and and not even that afar. Their their bedroom Why? windows are like two yeah. and a half feet yeah. away from each other. That, that was, was oh no, right. that was too close. If somebody's that close to you, never look at them at all. No, like you board that window up. I bet or some set of up the, a mirror system, Toby. I, I bet some of that webbing got onto her window. <laughs> well, yeah, when you're young, it is distance <laughs> is key. When you're young, <laughs> dumb, and full of web, you uh, <laughs> you're gonna hit everything in your sight. Um, but yeah, like he does, just sort of quietly watch and i think that we are watching this movie with so much hindsight that we're like no it's peter parker he's fine he's right what he's doing is cool whereas this movie could be made or a different movie that had nothing to do with superheroes could be made like this and we'd be like um mary jane you should probably call someone a chronicle or bright burn style right different take on who peter parker is but you know ultimately the movie is about i think like you know conquering yourself and so doing that through the lens of sexuality as much as through the lens of like having this power seems like a valid way to do it but it there is an element 
that makes it uncomfortable. And I think it's when you realize like that you are that the web is what the web must be standing in for and why they decided to probably make it organic for the purposes of this movie. And then it's just like, oh, come on, guys. How many little kids did he save with his cum? I watched him spray so much of that stuff. And this is definitely Raimi. Like this is he he read David Kep's Jurassic Park like script with no web jizz and he was like, yeah. Well, mm. I'll make a couple of uh There's not I have my pencil fluids. right here. <laughs> Also, could he be totally nude? And they were like, No, that's where we're drawing the line. We have to we're gonna tell the audience he's definitely wearing pants. How how many can Bruce Campbell fights. play Spider-Man? This is the last time I'm gonna ask. Can <laughs> Bruce Campbell please just play Spider-Man? Bruce can do it, everybody. Come on. <laughs> how many screaming fights did Raimi get in with the studio of it needs to come out of his butthole? Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean if you're watching a spider. They're not swinging from leg to leg. But and if you think about Spider-Man, how he's got spider sense, strength and agility like all superheroes have. But that webbing man, that isn't the most integral and famous part of his powers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And did you, just to bring it back to the sex thing, did you notice where the glider hits um, the Green Goblin at the end? Because in the comic book, it goes right through like his chest. But in this, it very clearly went right through his crotch. And then when he dies, he sort of like hunches right. over the glider as he dies so like it, the horniness does not go away like it, he's constantly making sure that we see that there's this connection and and if if throughout history of uh humanity right strength and virility are super tied together so norman yeah. already super wealthy and strong but he becomes actual strong so yeah he's too horny for old ants and power Did you- so you need to cut him off from his power source a la samson and then when spider-man at the end when it hit him in the crotch he said goblin d's nuts that was probably a bridge too far <laughs> it's weird to have already talked about a sequel that's not how movies work we should I know, talk dude. about the first parts but we, <laughs> we talked about this in our spider-man 2 episode not but 15 years ago i'm gonna say <laughs> where uh we see the going past puberty and in peaking into like middle age and having right. your powers go away and being injured about everything but this right now is like so much ambition so much spraying everywhere yeah. Holy shit! And then the third one, when he gets the symbiote, it's midlife him. crisis. It's midlife. It's midlife crisis and injecting like tea mm. or some sort of goat pill from a gas station <laughs> that will surely give you that hard on again. They wouldn't let them advertise on the podcast unless it was a fully vetted medicinal yeah. product, Mike. The other one I wanted to talk about real quick, because um, if we're gonna talk about movie, about a movie in the two thousands, we gotta talk about class. Um, I think that the movie did an actually a pretty good subtle job, especially for Raimi, of being like, if you're poor, you have a chance. And if you're rich, you do not. You know, and showing you're already not a human. Yeah, you you've basically already gone Why? past the point where you are redeemable, and so you're going to be a villain. There's so many times I love I love the goblin in this movie, but I love like, oh, what are you gonna do? Save people, you fucking idiot. You're so fucking <laughs> stupid to me. I look at you with my eyes and I think you're so dumb. Um, and Spider Man trying to fight against that thing where he's like, he starts off being like, I'm gonna make money to buy a car, and then realizes like that's the part of the whole Uncle Ben thing where right. the whole Green Goblin thing is, I've already reached this peak, let's make it peakier, you know, like I'm already in the uh 3%, let's get into the 1%, let's get into the 0.5%. That is what Spider-Man is battling back with the whole time. And I don't think Raimi hangs that big of a lantern on that. Another class thing you see is Mary Jane, who is in high school, is embarrassed to be a waitress at a diner. Mm -hmm. Uh (laughs) 
she doesn't want Peter to see that she's working as a waitress. It's okay. You're like a junior in high school. That's not an embarrassing job for right. you to have. And it's I a think... huge part of the subtle way that she falls in love with Peter. Because he doesn't care. Because like, he doesn't oh, yeah, care. You have a job. <laughs> and they get flirtier and flirtier in those scenes on the street to the point where they have an absolutely incredible scene where she's like, why are you so interested? And he's like, well, I'm not interested. She's like, well, it seems like you're interested. Yeah, and it kind of seems like you are interested, though. It re- oh, they're going to really, start railing. <laughs> it's really Peter's well done. Peter's about to get stuck in a washing machine. <laughs> uh, but I, not to be this guy, uh, they're out of high school at that point. But it's so, still so okay they're for, 19 or 20 years it's old. Still it's okay still okay for okay a freshman in college yeah, I mean, to have a, a service. And job. part of it seems to be like because it's a, it's just a diner. Who, yeah. who cares? Dude? Not just a diner. Uh, it's like a it's like a pop up diner in the most uh, unhoused part of town. Monica yeah. from Friends worked at that exact same diner, and she was proud to work there. Yeah, exactly. John Favreau owned it. He was a UFC fighter. He would help create the MCU years later. Another weird sex thing in this is um, Mary Jane very clearly like. We see her with a couple of guys, and the camera catches her on several occasions, like refusing to kiss them. So she's with them, mm. but like they act like meatheads, right. and then they will go for like a kiss or they'll go to grab her, and she's like, "No." And so the movie maintains her purity in a re- in a way that I found kind of uncomfortable watching it this time. Like, it, okay, a- she's with those boys because they're tall and rich, but she doesn't like them, and so she won't allow them to touch her. <laughs> it's uncomfortable because I think Rami wants to give us the melodrama of. Daytime TV or even Nano Two and OC, yeah. But uh, there's not that many characters in the cast, so we're gonna show her grow through the boyfriends, and that's shitty. That's like old school shit. Like, what are who are you based on who are the men that you're with? Yeah. But because of I think because of Kirsten Dunst, because of her performance, which I I can't believe how I find more incredible every time I watch this movie. Um she makes herself feel like a genuine person making genuine decisions and the boyfriends are right. the background in everything right. she's in. It doesn't matter who she's going out with. She takes that show or she steals that scene. Speed round. Yes, it is. You do not have to say your name. Ryan. Just answer. Greg. Quickly. Greg, 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 Greg. Yes. Greg. Oh, it was just said so much. I had to hit it. Maximum clonage. We talked about this. Okay. You know what? Greg. <laughs> you did it. You Good. finally found out when you were supposed to say it. Back to back points for Greg on that. That's that's awesome. I have realized that if I ever ha- name a, or I have a son, he will be Max. Max Clonitz. <laughs> and he'll be named after Greg in a uh, way of speaking. We talked about this uh, all those years ago in the intro to this show. How much does this movie owe to Tim Burton's Batman movies? Yeah, I think the, so the, much. it's the the parade stuff, the float stuff. Uh, Another parade? Yeah, and I, I love. Yeah, I love the characters just never figuring out that they live in fucking Gotham or New York City. Yeah. so much crazy shit happens, and they're like, "Look at that guy! I didn't know they hired a greened goblin for the show." Oh my god, I'm burned by pumpkins. Also, shout out to the fact that when the green goblin appears in that scene, it's totally not Tim Burton. In that moment, it's totally uh, Wizard of Oz, the witch appearing like writing in smoke in the sky. He's seriously. <laughs> I like Roger Ebert talk shit on that scene. I think it's so fucking good for him just to hold the camera up to the sky and just have the goblin get bigger and bigger and bigger. Hell yeah, dude. Uh, Sort of like a 747 did not too long ago before this movie was made. Wait, what is that? I forgot. I I have forgotten. It was a, uh, the attack on London. Mm. If the antagonist's name is Willem Dafoe, should the protagonist's name be Toby Mahiro? Ryan. (laughs) Ryan. Yes. Toby, my hero. 
ordinary guy. Greg. Is there anything likable about Harry Osborne? Does Franco's grossness infuse too much of Harry's misogyny? I could not believe how untalented I found him in this movie. Like, yeah. and I think he's it's on the verge of, of tears every second. <laughs> I think it's because of past grossness. There's um, there's a point where uh. Harry or Norman is asking about Harry's boyfriend or girlfriend when uh, Toby's in the room, and he's like, "No, no, please don't say anything." But there's like three or four punch. This movie, I don't know if we talked about this, is crazy funny compared to what I remember. Like, there's so <laughs> many funny parts of this movie, and I uh, I do think that Franco sells a couple of his lines, like, "Because uh, I want to buy you something because it'll make you feel better." Like, yeah, he, he's got his moments. It's it's he got those moments. It. it it does feel like they're like you should be angry and crying all the time, and it's it doesn't sell petulant. anybody liking him. I mean, I, 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 the Harry Osborn is a petulant baby though, who feels bad for himself even though he has everything, and I think that's a perfect casting. Also, right. when he when he cries, I think that the real superhero he should have been playing is the Crow, his feet, because what is going on next to his eyes? Right. Un- unattractive man, that James Franco. Yeah, when it crinkles. What's going on there? Since Captain America Civil War gave us our third Spider-Man, we've been ranking and arguing about Peter Parker performances. Even if you don't think Toby is the best, where would you say this entire ensemble ranks among other superhero movie casts? Uh, I mean, I think it has to be number one. Like, we've been talking yeah. about it for the last two hours of this like, show. pound for pound cast. Amazing Everybody. Uncle Ben. Amazing... Aunt May. Apparently uh, hot Aunt May. That dude, I'm just finding out listen. <laughs> there's a part where uh, Green Goblin comes to visit her in her bed. Very monster movie. Very like horror comic. And she's got her hair down. She's got long, beautiful oh, silver hair. hair. Down. I mean, I'm I'm not reading into this. The movie is the the movie is loving her. Okay. If we ranked our favorite actresses or our, what we thought were the most talented actresses, I could see Emma Stone and Zendaya being one and two. Like honestly. Uh, Especially if we're talking about who the portrayals of Michi. Sure. Like they have to be both in the top two. Uh but the way that Kirsten Dunst works in this movie just knows what the movie is more than anybody else. I, and Willem Dafoe is I mean, you know what, Mike? Next week we could do Rushmore of iconic right. villain performances. Uh-huh. Willem Dafoe is on here. Oh like, yeah. And then to combine that with his work in No Way Home, where he continued this balancing act yeah. of scared gentleman and absolute piece of shit which uh, is funny. it does feel like norman osborne or the writers the people behind it forgot that norman was a piece of shit before he goblined out right yeah because when he becomes the t- goblin he like fractures he's he two faces basically and i think it's like the two parts of him completely separate so he had been a little bit of an asshole mm. and he became an extreme asshole and what that left behind was the like meek, you know, version of himself. But I love the scene where he's meek and fighting against his mirror self. Right. And then at a certain point, with not that much talking into, he's like, Well, please just tell me what to do. Yeah. You know, like so the Talk like the country me. is doing right now as we're making our own turn towards fascism. Kinda, yeah. Like as we go into fascism, we're like, Well, I don't know what to do. Is it fascism? And then fascists are like, It is. I'm it is now, it brother. Is. <laughs> I think that it should be. Do you know a fun messed up fact is uh, they made him wear teeth because Sam Raimi said nobody as rich as Norman Osborn would have your janky ass teeth. (laughs) But then when he's the goblin in the mirror, they're like, no, for when you're full (laughs) goblin, you take this. So they're just just Norman. These are goblin teeth. teeth. (laughs) Being a director and an actor is so weird. (laughs) It's so weird. That's why they're always pulling knives on each other. (laughs) 
<laughs> that's a reference to uh, if you're not a pay pig, that's our Patreon. You should go sign up for our Patreon. Our Patreon is just fucking killing it lately. So. It is. It's awesome. We're all fans. Does this movie prove that Green Goblin is Spider-Man's primary arch nemesis? Yes. I think that there is not a more interesting arch nemesis. And the, a lot of movies have like taken different um super villains as like the, the 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 keystone to understanding spider-man i really think the most compelling one is green goblin and the the movie hints at it but um the the how complicated like the familial and friendly relationships get with him and the green goblin yeah the movie definitely hints at it the most you can do in two hours again yeah. like, this movie had so much to do but harry has sort of always been the only male uh peer that connects to peter or that peter feels connected to i uh, Harry has a dad. Peter didn't have a dad, then lost Uncle Ben basically the second we met Peter. So for Norman to see that hole that Peter has and be like, I could be so helpful to this person, but instead I'm going to fucking just murder that spot that I could have. I can manipulate the shit out of him and constantly does. Currently, in today's 2022 comics, Peter is working with Norman because oh, no. he believes that Norman has finally hey. turned a corner here. Guys, just because it's your family doesn't mean you can't cut them off. Remember and that, listeners. That will always be more inherently uh, interesting than I want to conquer the world or yeah. I, I just become a lizard and I uh, my animal instincts take over. Is someone who just knows what your weaknesses are and fucks with them. Just goes, <laughs> pokes at it. Just over and buttheads. Over again. <laughs> <laughs> with the amount of time Peter Parker spends watching MJ without her knowledge, would a better name for this movie be Spied Her Man? Ugh. No, I think Spider-Man probably yeah, is the way that's, to go. That's okay. kind of weird to you say. Like, yeah. Or the human right. spider, potentially. I think that's still on the table. Uh, so does great power come with great responsibility or like, nah? <laughs> I think that this movie proves that it, hold on, does. It does. I think that it does. I think that right. they should one day tell a story where Spider-Man gets involved in something that he has no cause to get involved in and that he tries to set everything to rights and instead just by constantly managing the situation it gets worse because I think that you, the the idea that if you have power over a situation you have to become responsible for it I don't think that that really works if you start scaling it you know I think it's kind of an old idea of what power means that anything around you that you could stop or put to rights you just That's, have to it's also Very a way to, america world police vibes yeah right and also who the fuck are you you know we talked earlier about how all uh, maybe you heard movies, of the us of a ryan maybe USA. earlier we New talked York, about how baby. all superhero movies are a cab or uh-huh. uh how government is terrible and that leaves everything for the superheroes to take over i don't know if that's such a good idea the boys this- for instance Peter get over being the direct reason Uncle Ben dies. Uh, is, does that all happen a little too quickly? Not for dude. me, dude. <laughs> I understand That's the saddest that part of the movie. <laughs> we don't want to watch it for a long time, but no. I think that the first hour, like, is... It, it, we also... Let me just combine this with another answer. Do you guys... Or a question. Do you guys have a problem with Spider-Man not being quippy? <gasps> <There's>, I thought <laughs> I would. I remember as a stupid nerd of things are different that bugging me when this came out bugging and rewatching it yeah. now not really not at this phase in his career i would say there's one scene where he drops mj off at like a park on top of a building and he has like his building park has a couple of uh quips real quick but not really what it, we have instead is peter parker not being totally responsible for the robber's death but 
watching it happen. Oh yeah, doing nothing to save it and th- save him, and then staring at his corpse. Yeah, dude. and being like, yeah, that's what's up. That is what is up. They're kind of. Is that guy definitely dead, though? Because he falls, like, 15 feet. And sure, he gets still, but he does hit a very, like, perfectly placed sort of, like... um... No, his last words are, I'm dead. Oh, okay. (laughs) He looks at the camera and went, I've died, but who killed me? Uh. Final question, speed round. If you woke up with Spider-Man powers, what sport would you have tried out for other than wrestling? I'm going to say basketball. Just uh, Maybe Teen Wolf made it look so fun, but I just think it would be awesome to get a three-pointer that is also a slam dunk. See, I'm right away. I'm thinking because they're the most prominent power. I'm thinking of webs, and I don't know how that could help. So I'm thinking water polo, just because you would. That's so hard. You for could all score, s- snap it back, score again, snap it <laughs> yeah, back. Dude. It's like when people would tie a rope onto quarters in an arcade game and just keep pulling out the corners. And, and your legs are churning. It. He has the super strength, so you just like everybody else is getting tired while you're just blending the. Yeah, pool. he's basically out of the water, like at his knee level, because he's agitating <laughs> his feet so quickly. But I don't want to go with water polo because Mike is the host, and we have a uh, aversion to water polo players thanks to the OC. So but I also played water polo, the only game Mike has played. Are, but you're is that a Philly true? guy. You're you're a Philly guy, and the Phillies are in the playoffs right now, Mike. So, and are they water polo? They are a water polo establishment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to go with polo. Just regular polo. I just want to get on a horse and fucking live my life. How exactly does one suck a fuck? You know what? Not the button I meant to press. That's fine. But <laughs> good time as any. That is all the time we have. We're going to kind of take a quick break when we come back. It's award season. Can you taste buds believe? That as far as I know, having forgotten to look it up, that Spider-Man was not nominated for any Oscars? What? It's impossible. It two was Mike. nominated for two Oscars? Two of the Loudies. The Loudies? Which Loudies, Ryan? Uh, best visual effects and best sound. You know best what? Best sound. The whole time I was like, this sounds amazing. Sounds so freaking good. Just the way his laugh echoed around a mansion. I think that's what the nomination was for. Imagine what mm. that is like in the mask. Oh, we're not doing moment of the week, are we? Because this is a movie on a you different You know what, Ryan? What was your moment of the week? <laughs> My moment of the week is when he's upstairs fucking Green Goblining and uh, James yeah. Franco gets home and he's like, <clears throat> what? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Did you hear any of that? Yeah. J- like his son clearly hears him do the um, Joker laugh like eight times. And then he's like, did you hear anything? He's like, nah, <laughs> forget it. Well, Dad, care. you're a really good man. You had to make sacrifices. I'll pick you over my smoking hot girlfriend, Kirsten Dunst, any day. When your dad is that rich and that scary before he's goblinified, yeah. you have ignored a lot of his transgressions just That's so he doesn't true. murder you next. Like James Franco would like us to do now. Yeah. And I refuse. Really shitty book, James The Franco. artist was not that good a movie. The Disaster Artist? The Disaster no, Artist. No, you know what? The Artist really wasn't that good of a movie. They're, they're, I, I'm taking them both down for I different reasons. The Disaster to The Artist. Are At least sequels? The Disaster Artist had um, sound. Yeah, fucking no sound fucks. All right. We're here for recommendations first. Greg, what do you got? If you love web swinging, if you love getting down on the streets and cleaning them out, you are going to love the PlayStation 5 game Spider-Man Miles Morales. Uh, it takes the Spider-Man experience and hands the reins over from Peter Parker to uh, Miles Morales. 
And it's just so neat and so much fun. And if you have a PS5, I think it is a must-own video game. Oh, okay. That's, I'm a little surprised by that. The crowd, I don't think, wasn't saying it's not a fun game. I'm sure it's fun. But if you like Spider-Man, you're going to love Spider-Man. Well, Spider-Man video game. Maybe the crowd doesn't can't afford a PS5. If you had said PS4, then would how would the crowd? If you're coming to our shows, you don't have a PS5. This has come up a lot tonight that the crowd uh, bought a PS2 and the PS4 was new. So that's how the crowd rolls with video game systems, guys. PS2 has a good Spider-Man game, but I, I won't talk about that since it incenses the crowd. Obviously, not as supportive as the New Yorkers of 2002. Oh, now they're getting incensed in okay. a different way. Well, <laughs> all right. The energy of the movie carried over in a different way than I expected. The crowd is, for some reason, now acting like Aunt May walked into the room. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Auntie. <laughs> all right. We have Spider-Man if you like Spider-Man. Ryan, if you like Spider-Man, Spider-Man, what else will you like? Uh, look, I will say that Spider-Man was... Uh, Sam Raimi had seen Batman and Batman Returns and definitely had uh, seen the potential in comic book movies, right? In a way that I don't think Brian Singer had. Uh, Or the directors of, let's say, 1990s The Punisher with Dolph Lundgren. Mm. Um, uh, Even Blade before this. Uh, And I don't mean to speak ill of Blade. But there's (laughs) there's another movie that I don't think Sam Raimi watched, but I think you should go and watch if you enjoyed Spider-Man. It is a movie that does the hand-to-hand stuff in a bit of a Mighty Morphin Power Rangers way, but kind of has more to say and more indie movie grit than you would think. And that is Steve Barron's 1991 film, 1990 film, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, It's actually not that bad. And... Do, like doesn't run from its goofy nope, yeah. premise. It like it says we're gonna do this head on, and we're going to sure we're gonna have Raphael be not just a bit rude, very rude. In how sort of cool a, is he though? Is he's he ve- cool? He's very cool. Rude? Uh, he he his, he is cool. His butt is rude. Um, we're also going to go to like a farm for forty five of the middle minutes in this movie, just because we think that's what's like down and great. Well, now we're gonna. That's where you dig into the pathos of your heroes. Yes, but this movie is shockingly uh, grounded and serious for what its premise is, and I think that was a bold, bold step. It makes Michael Bay's movies, uh, his reboot of the Ninja Turtles, like this is still in nineteen ninety, far more serious and taking this seriously than those movies, and I. Again, I don't think Sam Raimi got inspiration from TMNT, but I think that they are talking to each other a little bit. Uh, mine is, if you're looking for nerdy kids dealing with puberty, these kids happen to like comic books. It's not based on comic book. Nerdy kids dealing with puberty and some fucked up stuff happens. Things get more violent than you'd expect them to. I'm going to say check out The Dangerous Lives of Alter Boys. Where from 2002? From two, is it from 2002? Didn't we kick that off the bracket? I think we I'll might have, and this is how I'm slipping it back on, and just via recommendation. Uh, these little Moppets, these young Culkins and Jenna Malones are trying to figure out how to be in the world, uh, and I think it captures that teenage angst in a in a very similar way as the high school scenes between uh, these kiddos. Mike, Dangerous Lives of Alter Boys was released in 2002. By the way, did you guys notice, now that we've done Chronological, how we had one movie for the first four months of five months of the year, and now we're into summer immediately. Like <laughs> that just goes to show you how January, February, March, and April are treated in Hollywood. Like it's funny. I was it's meaning, summertime now. I was meaning to ask: like, Did they, for some reason, release this movie 
in like December or not December, like in January. Like what? What? But it's just because they're all going to be from here on out. They're all summer movies, basically. Yeah. Yeah, So we have all of our blockbusters and then all of our award grabbers, right? In like the last Mm -hmm. three months of the year, in the last six weeks of the season. But this is it for the first four months. Is talk to her. Wow. All right. Now on to awards. Best Mary Jane moment. Ryan, kicking off with you. I think that um, I was very surprised to see this movie and or see the most iconic scene of this movie and not have her hyperventilate like a moron uh, where Spider-Man after like post upside down kiss goes up into the air. Um, I remember this as her like clapping her hands or flapping her hands and just <laughs> screaming and cackling. Flapping her hands. And it- <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Instead, um, she is falling in like, lust, love, and, I don't know, uh, enamored by all at the same time. Um, and that's hard to pull on one face. I remember from this scene her having the big hot dog fingers that she was, like, slapping <laughs> on her thighs. Is that? I guess that wasn't this movie. I remember in the scene, like, that uh, she was played by Rachel Bilson. What happened there? Uh, kick. Recuts casting. Uh, not Hollywood, so fun man. fact. Rachel Bilson died because a blank was put in a gun improperly. Oh, Jesus. And so Kirsten Dunst had to take over. Wow. So many crow references. <laughs> oh, more than you would expect. Unless you've listened to our show before, I guess. Greg, what is your best Mary Jane moment? I'm going to go with Upside Down Kiss. It's iconic. Um, it... I don't know that it's the best way to kiss, especially if like water is pouring down the person's face who's upside down, because that's, again, 2002, waterboarding was kind of a big thing, but usually not in your makeout sessions. That was a joke that I made on the hit show, Welcome to the OC Bitches, which everyone can get at any point they listen to podcasts. And we learned from Rachel Bilson, who did the Upside Down Kiss, that anybody who's ever kissed upside down was drowning, that it was horrendous. Toby McGuire's not sinuses got filled with water on this. Yeah. But still, very nice moment. Great moment. Uh, m- one of my favorite moments, and I do not think it's iconic, but stuck out to me, is when she yells at Harry, I stood up and clapped, because when he, they, the whole Thanksgiving dinner, hears his dad say, do what you need to with her, and then drop her skinny white ass. And Harry just goes, you're right, dad. <laughs> and she, he's like, what? How are you mad? My dad's a great man. <laughs> Can we, let, I also, like, this is such amazing. Just locker room talk. If if we oh. if I could have one runner up, Mike, it's the the last scene of the movie where we have a reverse wet hot, where it's <laughs> the boy telling the girl, uh, "I want to not have sex with you and explicitly no one," um, and this is it. Like this is what we think that Peter Parker has worked for for the entire movie, and mm-hmm. she says, "It was you, Peter Parker," and like we know what she's going to say, but the pacing of what she says is the slowest part of the movie. Yeah. And then she kisses him and that kiss goes on for a lot, much longer than Peter Parker should have let it go on. Unless if you're ki- about to end it, I yeah. wonder if at that time he's like, should I end it? <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'm not going to end it. And then there was a lot of um, speculation as to, does she know? But watching it mm-hmm. recently, she kisses him, touches her lips, thinks that's fucking Spider-Man. And then she knows like there's, there should be no speculation. No. Yeah, upside down, knows. right side up. I know when I'm kissing Spider-Man. That's the way Especially I like I want to kiss Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do the upside down kisses with Spider-Man. He's a menace. <laughs> <clears throat> Bring me sexy spider lips. <laughs> Ew. Uh, <laughs> best special effects. Greg. 
I really liked that this movie had good special effects because it knew how to like occlude them. It knew how to sort of like cover up that it was using computers and show them in low light and just try to obscure it a little bit, which is nice because now they just give you a noodle man right up front. But one thing I thought looked really, it's really like a, good. It's like a uh, used car lot. We're gonna yeah, give you the exactly, noodle man. Dude, right yeah, noodle man gets the attention. Come on in. Oh man, I'm gonna go buy a car there. Um, but I think the slowdown uh, when he realizes that um, his powers, it's not just that his powers make him fast. It's that they make him comprehend things extremely quickly. Mm. And so in his fight with Flash, like he can feel everything. He can hear everything. And the, it's not that the effects look perfect there, but it's just like they're doing just enough to put you more into the scene. And you're not like evaluating them, you know? And that was so that the, right as he gets in the fight with Flash and like the spitballs being shot and you're like kind of like going around through the crowd. That's the moment for me. I like it. That is a great moment. It's a great win. No, you. I just liked it, so I he just got a point because it's a cogent. I'm sorry, I'm doing if things. Make, if you make a cogent point, that yeah, that scene also has a funny part that I did not remember at all, where uh, Peter punches Flash in the ribs, definitely shattering all of them. He oh fl- yeah, he flies down the hall and his head lands in between a teacher carrying a tray of food, yep. and the teacher, after a beat, drops all of it directly on his that head. That means that teacher hates Flash and <laughs> did sure. that on purpose. <laughs> no teacher likes Flash. That guy's a <laughs> bitch to everyone. That was a Biff Tannen moment. They wanted poop. <laughs> They're like, well, how can we get poop in the middle of the high school? Just have a teacher carrying a tray of manure. <laughs> oh, no. Sure. Famously, it's impossible to poop at high school, so there's nothing else <laughs> they can do. Nobody ever has done it. <laughs> Ryan, what is your best special effects? Um... You want to go away from the noodling. And I thought that the end, the last 45 seconds, did really look great, minus the patriotism of it all. But <laughs> I think that I have to go with a part that doesn't feel as iconic until you watch the movie and remember. And that is uh, two and actually then a third goblin blade, if that's what they're called, uh, goblin yeah. ring, flying towards Spider-Man. And the, in the fiery it, apartment? In the and fire- he does the twisties to get away from him? And it's this right. perfect combination of uh, physical, like practical effects. You know, we got a stunt person to do this and special effects to make it look as real as possible. And that is, Greg, at the beginning of the show, was talking about how he flies from panel to panel, but he's always capable of this movement. And watching him do that Olympic shit, that's when you're like, oh, fuck you, Green Goblin. You... Like, you're so dust because he's going to dodge shit left and right. Uh, two moments I wanted to point out is, one, I think it might be one of the more noodly, but it worked because the whole scene was goofy. The balloon jump. Spider-Man is jumping from float balloon to float balloon, and it feels the most 2001, yeah. I guess, 2 PS1 PlayStation <laughs> Spider-Man. But it is so fun, and it feels like this is when you do that. Yeah. When he is just jumping from thing to thing. Oh. And then... Another slow-mo, so Raimi might just be amazing at slow-mo, is when uh, in the the finale fight, his mask is getting burned off and blood's forming, and just the slow-mo of that, of Peter Parker's revealed, and it is revealed that he is fucked up. Is awesome. Cringiest moment, Ryan. Based on the spirit of the award, like uh, typically how we do this, I have to go with the wrestling match. Yeah. where uh, Spider-Man jumps to the top of the cage that he got put in without signing off on that. Like, you shouldn't surprise any two people by putting them in a cage. Right. But he gets to the top, and he says something about, like, does Bonesaw's husband also enjoy that? Uh, just 
gay panic jokes. Come on. Yeah, that shocked me. And like, not from you, Toby. You should do like 15 in your movie so we can completely ignore you or zero. It's weird to just have the one. It, that feels so O2. Somebody's yeah. like, well, you got it. The kids won't like it unless you do some gay joke. It's like I ha- rated I R is means you can say, or rated PG-13 is you can say fuck one time, not sexual, and one gay joke, and that is it. Yeah, that it's definitely. Um, I, I thought that they had like post facto edited that out for in, in modern times <laughs> because a lot of times when we're doing this cringe stuff, a lot of times it's a, it's kind of a bad character saying the cringy thing, right? Honestly, and it's like, well, yeah, that is still cringy, even though it's a bad guy saying it. It's kind of, but this is our hero looking right at one of our most treasured wrestlers, not Bonesaw, Bonesaw. but the man, the man who portrays him, Macho well, Man Randy Savage. Bonesaw's number two, though. But yeah. Bonesaw is number He's two. He's ready. Um, and it, it's just, it's so like casually terrible and it really does now kind of like take you out of the movie. I'm very interested to see what the rest of these summer blockbusters are going to be like. Cause I yeah. don't know if you guys remember 2002, but I was in high school and so it was thrown around a lot, a lot. I will yeah, say not to def- as a joke too, like as an insult, but also just as like the punchline of a joke. It's like, oh, because you are gay. Like, ah, ha, ha, good. <laughs> <Wonderful>. <laughs> Do you, is that your same? Do you agree, Greg? Oh yeah, I mean it's the it's the it's the cringiest moment. It's like it's kind of the only cringy moment. You could try to like cobble I, together an argument for something else. This is not cobbled together. One, it's it's the, this whole sequence is uh, cinematically cringy, and then I'd say modern times cringy. The telegraphed attack on Mary Jane. Uh, the, uh, into the ha- into the alleyway. Hey, that's a girl. Let's go get her. And then <laughs> more guys just show up. Like I don't know you, but we're gonna go get her with you. Uh, and then needless wet white shirt. Mary Jane's nips were out and clear. It was, and pink. I was like, Sam Raimi, come on. You know what? You know what's weird? You know you're doing like a disservice to the character and the actor when you are too embarrassed to frame all the shots in such a way where you can see everything that's going on. Like there, I feel like it's such an admission. The fact that they frame most of the shots in that scene with her, like from the breastbone up so uh-huh. that like, it's not because there, it would be too embarrassing for her to stand there with just her boobs out for the entire scene. And isn't then that like an admission that any shots like that are whereas, kind of, whereas like QT, un- like we'll say Margot Robbie, you take your feet off and you put them, up on the chair, and I'm gonna Rub put the them, camera directly. Put Vaseline on the... your feet and put that film on the camera lens. I know this is weird, but can you jerk your feet off for me? <laughs> Just I know it's weird. I said it's that weird? weird, so it's fine. <laughs> Uh, and then Spider-Man fucking leaves her in the alley. She was just attacked in. Yeah, <laughs> all of it. All of it. There's so many moments of cringe there for me. Pound for pound performance, Gregory. In this movie, one of the actors is taxed with essentially playing two completely different characters. In fact, I think you could even argue that there might be three entirely different characters. There is Norman Osborn, and then there is the the character that gets split in two, which is like a second and third character, be Green Goblin, and then like the whatever is left of Norman Osborn that just like is so sorry for everything. It's kind of like a little worm. Uh, and Defoe has to give us three different performances. And I feel like th- there might be the inclination not to chew the scenery a little bit as Green Goblin. And I don't think that would have worked in this movie at all. I think you got to get in there, grab that scenery, and just put it in between your teeth and just gnash away. And that's really what he does. He goes so big as uh, the Green Goblin. And I just don't think it works if you don't, especially if you're wearing a mask that right. completely covers your face. 
That's yes, especially if your face is covered, you can still see through the mouth hole and the eye holes how yeah. he's not phoning it in. No, he's like foaming it in. Is that is that will that always be the biggest disservice of this movie though? Is yes. They didn't find a way to like. I know it's ridiculous. Like yeah. we've been talking about Raimi. You have to press a button and the mask has to just like disappear, or just put him in the green makeup and the purple. Yeah. He has a natural hat. green goblin face. Yeah, he's got the. And teeth. I do have to say, of all the villains in the comic book, Green Goblin does more like whipping off his mask to become kind of like yeah. Norman yeah. Osborn again hey, more than any. So yeah, it's for sure, me Norman. Do not yeah. get it twisted. <laughs> you know, I think the pr- I think the problem was the the sim the the symbolic nature of his mask and how important masks was to like the point that Raimi mm. was making that that cut against the ability for the guy just to whip it off anytime he wanted to emote. Is that Ben Stein's speech from the movie The Mask? Yep. <laughs> we all wear masks. Ryan, what is your pound for pound performance? Mike, this was so hard because as we talked about. What an incredible ensemble. Uh, Willem Dafoe is um, on the rush more if we do that this season. Uh, Toby Maguire is at least in my top two Peter Parkers, which I do think is saying something. <laughs> uh, we've talked so much about Kirsten Dunst's performance. Um, we've talked an appropriately little amount about James Franco's performance. But I don't think in the history, the reason that this was not brought up on Rushmore is because you specifically said superheroes, not performances in comic book movies. And I don't think anybody has brought... From the page to your brain to the screen, more. A character like J.K. Simmons did. Mm. This is, everyone has their versions of Peter Parker or Mary Jane or Green Goblin in their head. But, and so, you know, this one's a little bit different, but we're going to roll with it. This was literally everyone's in their head, uh, J. uh, J. Jonah Jameson. And I cannot believe how much he pulled it off. So much so that, like, MCU was going to, like, ruin their shit. Like, we have to create a multiverse. Just so we could get this guy back, because we're not it, refucking casting you, this role. You can't, yeah, you can't recapture it. What we're gonna do a different version? No, and then we just need him again. The game that I foolishly plugged because it also features Spider Man. There's the J. Jonah Jameson in has that. a it's podcast. Just, it's com- and it's completely. It's not um, J.K. Simmons, but they just lifted the performance. Yeah. It's like a sound-alike performance. I mean, that'll always be the only performance, and he has so yeah. many lines that aren't funny on the page, like. Uh, somebody comes in, maybe Sam Raimi's brother, and says, we have a page six problem. And he he says, we have a page one problem. Shut the fuck up. And that's just, <laughs> it's just funny. His name is Ted. Thank you very much. Director's signature move? Moment? Moment. Yeah. yeah. Moment. Ryan. This was also very hard for me, Mike, because last week you gave Greg, in part, the point. One, because he did better than me, but two, because he picked a specific moment. And Raimi's touch and feel is all over these two hours. And so I thought about this for a long time. Rewatched the movie dozens of times. However many times Greg watched it, I watched it one more time than that. So you watched it twice. I watched it twice. And I think that it has to be between the acting, the editing, the pacing, is Green Goblin's death. Where you have this extremely Ryan. violent thing, as Greg pointed out earlier, Ryan. to the balls, not to the nuts, Ryan. or to, not to the balls, not to the to the gut, uh, and then we also get this cutaway of Willem Dafoe going, oh, and then he flops down like he's on fucking Broadway, not like yeah. he is gonna do the, I am dead, and then slowly fall to sleep and his eyes roll back, but this, Raimi is daring. His audience is at this point. Like if you, if I've held your hand at this point, I'm gonna get away with this, and he does it. I think it's so impressive. Green Goblin's death. 
rebuttal, Greg, or just a different option? I feel like I should just say that was also mine because I heard him get three three points, and so I'm probably going to well, get zero that, points. That is, the, that, that is the first award that just lined up exactly with what I had written down. For me, uh, there's a lot of big moments like that, um, and when but when I think of Sam Raimi, I always think of um, one of the characters' head is exact is in the very center of frame, and they're just yelling into the camera. Um, and there's so many of those in this. Sometimes they're actually kind of like stitched together. But there is one in particular. The more random they are to me, the more Raimi they feel to me. And there's a moment where I think Peter is just sort of reflecting on like what is going on in his life. And he thinks of the Green Goblin. So suddenly out of nowhere, there's just like a bleh. You're the <laughs> Goblin. Like kind of just like. It's like, like if Dracula all, was trying to surprise you. Yeah. It's like all <laughs> faded out so that you know he's not really there. And it's just you can barely see him. And he just kind of goes like bleh. And it's like a, a jump. Jump scare kind of out of nowhere. It's completely random. It's completely, and it's just like that is the ramiest move I've ever seen. Just to suddenly hit me with that blast. It's so good. The, and like, can, can we do unramiest move real quick? Sure. sure. Uh, <laughs> thanks, guys. Uh, <laughs> he said at the hour mark and at the two hour mark. At the hour mark, I need Macy Gray. At the two hour mark, I need Chad Kroger from Nickelback. What that one <laughs> is? Is that the where was the Chad shit? Kroger part? The Danny Elfman score into the credits goes for about 30 seconds before Nickelback uh, kicks in. Yeah, the Macy Gray was surprising spider, in there, too. Spider-Man. Silencio. It is time for Silencio. us to take our final... I'm sorry. <laughs> it's time. She's talking to you, Mike. You, you always forget that. It is time for us to take our final break of the evening. We're going to tabulate some scores and then talk about how Spider-Man might do in the final bracket. That is it. That is our Spider-Man show. I feel like we could do three more hours. Gosh darn it, do I like talking about superheroes with the two of you folks. Can I ask you guys a question real quick? No, sure. But you can. Oh, no. I'm going to ask yes. Mike because he's not about to fall asleep. Um, <laughs> so recent, tired. Recency biased, whatnot, blah, blah. Uh, and we have said many times on this show that a movie doesn't count unless you watch it and then do a movie of the year about it. Facts. True. Spider-Man 2 is still better? Mm. Recent science. I think Spider-Man (laughs) 2. I love the Raimi moment. I love the aforementioned uh, Doc Ock surgery scene. Like that. That is fucking Odessa steps from Battleship Potemkin. And that is a better scene than any scene in this movie. But I do think the the humanity and character against character and what they're motivated by in this movie feels more powerful. Maybe, but I think you might be forgetting about Alfred Molina's performance. That's true. Yeah, I, I definitely don't. I'll have I don't to watch think him again. I don't think it's like a slam dunk or anything, but I think two is still better than this one. And is two still the best we've ever seen? Is Into the Spider Verse the best we've ever seen? Yes. Yeah, probably. That movie's right. so good. So if we ever I can't believe year. we have to wait another year. It was supposed to come out like last week. We won't do uh, that year. Ever. We will never do that year because we're just gonna put that as the pick and then we're going to look like jerks and it will win and people will be like yeah they were right so how do we think spider-man's gonna do well we have two movies to compatriots we have one movie to compare it to but i have to say a lot of what we talked about as opposed to talk to her was how o2 it was Mm. in all of the best ways all of the worst ways and all of the actual ways you know talk to her is a little timeless and for that it should be fucking (laughs) it should get points against it yeah, we don't like how timelessness you, here. How dare you be universal and timeless and appeal to in different <laughs> ways to all generations? That's not what we do here on this specific show. 
I guess I have a feeling like it's not it's not going to quite get there. I think it doesn't it's not helped that there's 16 movies this season. Um I think that uh we're just going to get so blown away by some including talk to her. We're just like I I don't know, this was a fun movie and it was an awesome movie. It's really good. I don't mean to diminish it at all. It just seems like I would I would put it on a lower tier than talk to her. I would I I, I uh, yes I I think that if like the, in the Ryan rankings of all time movies that it is lower but in what we do why we vote what, how the bracket comes down also just the way that I like I cannot believe how swept I away I, I am by every single movie that we watch with this podcast uh-huh. I I think that you just like, love I movies you movie I, simp I wouldn't be <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if these were the top two movies also I don't remember. I couldn't name you a single other movie no. from the uh, Sweet 16. So I'm saying right now, I think it's uh, Talk to Her, Spider-Man, Adam's Family, and Adam's Family Values. And on that, <laughs> Those are your I'm, top going, four movies? I'm going, these are the top two. Well, no, I was going to just jump into coming season. I, I've forgotten a very important say, thing I should who do. Who won the show, mm-hmm. yeah. Who won the show? Uh, <laughs> Ryan, man, you got 58 and a half points. Wow. That is a showing. That's the most ever. That but you said it first, Mike. Quite a bit. And Greg, my friend, you got 54 and a half points. Ryan won and is my best friend for the Boo. next week, at least. Wow. It, but still, like, this has to be the highest. Like, what's the point total bet? They're just you over? Know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, we. It's a lot. Th- this is the highest we have ever it seen. It wasn't over. There's even I, a couple half points in there. I called you a movie simp, but it's clear I'm a Greg and Ryan simp. I gave a lot of Aww. points away tonight. You guys just wowed me. Or we earned them is the other way to look at it. Oh, I thought that's what I was saying. Can you change your Tinder profile that just says uh, Greg and Ryan simp? I, yes, I will. And right now. I, it's, it's kind of been like that because all my photos are just of you two and not of me. So I get yelled at <laughs> on a lot of dates. <laughs> Who are these we guys? We are more handsome. <laughs> I thought I was going on a date with two guys. I it was <laughs> just some just third guy. Some weird dude. Just going out on a date with half a man. Coming up this season, we have Unfaithful, Minority Report, Battle Royale, and so much more. Until then, keep watching those movies. Americans overwhelmingly support the right of an individual to make their own decisions about abortion. Unfortunately, that right is no longer protected anywhere in the U.S. The Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade on June 24th. Abortion is a basic health care need for millions of people who can become pregnant. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. Even if you live in a state where abortion rights are upheld, access to safe medical procedures shouldn't be determined by location, and it shouldn't be the privilege of a small few. And we're already seeing certain medical practices be restricted even in those states. You can help by donating to local abortion funds. To find out where to donate for each state, visit donationsforabortion.com. That's the number four, donationsforabortion.com. If you or someone you know needs help or if you want to get more involved, here are five resources. One, 
Shout Your Abortion is a campaign to normalize abortion. Two, Don't Ban Equality is a campaign for companies to take a stand against abortion restrictions. Three, abortion.cafe has information about where to find clinics. Four, plancpills.org provides early at-home abortion pills that you can keep in your medicine cabinet. And five, choice.crd.co. That's choice.crd.co has a collection of these resources and more. You can also find all the links to these resources at podvoices.help and in the show notes. We encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word.